Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of your weekly favorite podcast. This one's called Teen It Up with CNB. I'm your host, Connor, as always, on another Tuesday evening with my co-host here. Um, we have topics, maybe not the most uh, uh, agenda-filled um, episode we're ever going to have, but we're going to make, make it fun and fill it out. How you doing, man? How you been since we ate the, uh, the last show here? Been well. Um, had a good weekend. Uh, chilled. I went to a friend's birthday. Watched Final Four. You know, kind of the usual stuff. Um, for me, it's more so the, the bigger news of heading to Spain on Thursday. Um, that's going to be incredibly exciting. I'm thrilled for that. So it's just been kind of getting through the work week and kind of plugging along one at a time. So n- not really much for me. To you, anything, anything new? School going well? I mean, finals got to be coming up. Yeah, yeah, we got uh, this week and next week of class, and then they give you, I think it's eight days before your first final. After that, so about three weeks, three and a half weeks away from finals. Um, so it's crunch time. I'm honestly looking forward to it. I know it's gonna suck, but uh, um, the horizon is there. I guess you could say, hmm. um, or I can see the horizon. Um, as far as your trip to Spain, uh, why don't you lay out what the plan is? Cause there are some sports on the agenda there, I believe. Yes, there is. So, uh, leaving Thursday night or, um, I think, I don't know when the flight is most transatlantic flights are 6 PM, but leaving Thursday night, we'll arrive in Spain Friday morning, spend the day in Madrid, Kill time Saturday, same thing in Madrid. Kill time Saturday night, Real Madrid play against Villarreal. Um, should be an incredible game. First time going to, or actually, just first time going to a competitive Real Madrid game. I was at the game in 2016 at the Big House when they played Chelsea, but that was obviously that's a preseason game. 80% of the first team isn't even there. They're still on holiday. You're watching all kind of like the kids and the, the youth teams, but, um, I'm just I, again. I'm, I'm thrilled for that, and then come home Sunday. So Sunday will be kind of a drag. I don't think I'll probably get home till ten thirty at night, but it'll it'll be well worth it. Are you? Well, what's the time difference in Spain? Six hours. Six. Yeah. So that, I guess that's that's survivable. I guess for the amount of time you're there. But yeah, that's super cool. Um, now, not being a big soccer fan, is that is VL. Who are they playing? Villarreal. 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 Are they considered a rival? Is it a big game? Is it? It's just not a... really a. It's not a rival. It's a. It's a. It's one of the bigger teams in Spain. Um, okay. they've they they've been very successful on the European fronts as well. The last two years, won the Europa League in 20, 2021 and then made the semifinals of the Champions League last year. But they've kind of. It's tough. Spain's kind of an interesting position. I'm not going to get into it on this podcast because the. the the details are too much, but it's a, it's a bigger game. It'll be a fun game, and it's it's not a direct rival or anything, but it's certainly not your uh, it's not your average Alabama. It's not your Alabama versus Furman kind of game. Oh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Furman versus Virginia in basketball, or so they thought. Uh, <laughs> anyways, that's awesome. Uh, happy for the year. That's going to be a cool experience. Um, to some American sports now. Let's get into some topics. Uh, we didn't mention it last week because it's so depressing. I think no one really wanted to hear me kind of go off on a preseason baseball rant. Um, but opening day did happen this over the weekend or at the end of last week. And the Tigers, um, a hot 0-3 start in their first series with the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay is going to be kind of a uh, wild card hunting team, slightly above average. I mean, you – the frustrating thing, and the only reason I think we talk about it, obviously they get the win last night over a Houston team that's just scary good. Um, actually, a fellow alumnus, I guess I'm not an alumnus of Wayne State yet, um, pitching for the Astros, stud Hunter Brown, came out of nowhere, went to Wayne State. Anyways, regardless, is last year I sat here on this podcast and the brief baseball, the brief Tigers, I mentioned how bad this offense had been. Uh, this past year, and it was historically bad. Uh, there was points in the season where you looked down at the ESPN app and you saw one zero one zero. It was like you were playing tic tac toe, basically, uh, with the amount of ones and zeros you were playing. You, you saw on the app, um, 
And we saw more of the same. They were shut out on opening day. Saturday night, they only scored two runs. They only got one ninth inning home run on Sunday. Um, so they scored three runs in three games in the opening series. Uh, and it's not a lineup that scares you at all. I don't really have anything good to say. We're so early in a 162-game year. I hate being so harsh. Uh, the starting rotation is young and honestly going to be um, – competent i don't know if it's going to be good uh however the lineup still struggles you have miguel cabrera who could barely dh every other night uh batting like seventh eighth right now a torkelson has struggled early uh really a young riley green and a free swinging to say the least javi Baez, who swings at balls <laughs> at his ankles uh are really the only threats in this lineup right now um and Riley Green is still very young in that development to even be labeled as a threat. Um, so it's not close. You were kind of hoping to maybe that it just wouldn't be as bad as it would be, um, but it's bad. This is a team that can lose easily lose 115 games this year. 115, um, that's a lot. Yep. Uh, I think so. I think they're going to be uh, one of the bottom three, if not the worst team in baseball this year. Um, especially if guys like Casey Mize don't get healthy at some point in the year and the pitching step is just worth throwing out Eduardo Rodriguez throwing 92-mile-an-hour cutters right down the middle as our ace, then we're in some trouble. Um, I was going to say, you mentioned Casey Mize. I know he had the – was it the Tommy John at the, yes. the end of last season? So what are what are the odds he actually comes back this year? I know usually that's not something that's a short-term recovery. I know that I remember reading some – stuff rumors where it's like he's most likely shut out shut down for the season is, have, have you seen the updates since then or is this something where we're just kind of speculating i haven't seen anything uh i'd speculate just connor speculate canorth and speculation that he does not play this year even if he is available just, there's really no point um the other thing is the other promising young picture is screwball is also injured to start the year um so that could be just as much of a, if not more of a loss. He was really good last year when he was healthy. Wasn't he better um, than Mize? Even though Mize was kind of like the higher pick and like yeah, the more blue chip prospect. Yeah, he's been better. Um, he's a little older than Mize. He's he's like two two or three years older. He's like mm-hmm. twenty seven. and Mize is twenty four, twenty five. So, um, anyways, that's our Tigers preview for the year. They they finally <laughs> got their first win against what could be the best team in baseball last night. Uh, they tried to blow it. They were up 4 nothing, and I believe the sixth inning gave them all back. Alvarez hit an absolute ball that is still going um, off of some relief pitcher I've never heard of. It's kind of a common theme with the Tigers, a lot of names you've never heard of. Some guy called Matt Burling got four hits last night for the Tigers. That's going to be the story of your season. I, I This is a 100-loss team, like more than a 100-loss team. And with that, we'll kind of go to the main story for the weekend, uh, which was the final four closing off kind of a month-long um, topic that we've covered on the podcast, as well as the national championship last night. Um, yep. We'll start with Saturday night and the first game that was honestly the most interesting topic we might have besides the end goal, I think. Um, the buzzer beater, San Diego State down 90% of the game pretty much, yep. uh, ends up beating uh, Florida Atlantic to go to the national championship in a game that was the battle of red teams that nobody cares about. Yeah, I mean, the game was interesting. I mean, it ended up close. You had a you had a nice kind of comeback with San Diego State, but you're right. They did trail a majority of the game. It was that type of, well, you, you hope it's within six points at all times because you feel like every possession matters, whereas when it starts kind of hitting double digits, you start kind of throwing away possessions and the minutes tick by a little faster. But the game obviously got close again, and FAU got very, very cold at the end of the game. Um, they're probably thinking still to this. To, to, I'm not not that it, three days has been a long time, but they're probably still thinking, "How did we blow this? Why were we not playing against UConn?" Mm. Not that not that would have changed the outcome. I think UConn was just too good, but you, you are probably thinking, "How did we blow this?" Um, one thing I did note um, when watching that San Diego State game, I know a buddy of mine kind of told me at the beginning of the game, he's like, watch San Diego State center. He is incredibly dirty. And mm-hmm. sure enough, two minutes after he said that, uh, FAU's big Russian guy, Vladislav, goes down holding his head. He got elbowed, but they, they didn't catch it. But 
again, the San Diego State was kind of that scrappy physical team, just kind of in your face, seeing if they can play with energy, seeing how long they can keep that energy up. And um, I mean, that kind of carried them through the earlier rounds in the tournament where maybe the teams aren't as good. Um, got them a huge win over Alabama, got them to got them the national title game. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. But at the end, we'll, we'll talk about the specific game. It was, just wasn't enough. Um, yeah, I'll kind of turn it over to you um, for, for the specific game, at least. Yeah, what a weird team to go on a run like that. Um, a team that, like, is a, like, rel- I said this last night to my dad, and he's like, oh, I don't know. Like, they're, like, kind of like a – they're not not a good program. And then I thought about it. Like, Kawhi Leonard went there back in the day. They're they're regularly, like, a, a tournament team. So, like, it's not like there's some bum program. And a bum – Mountain West is usually not in the tournament, at least, but it's usually a reputable conference. Um so it's not like they'll never be back there in our lifetime, probably. But you never know. Uh, but what a weird team that, like, you wouldn't think to go on a run like that. That was still, like, a five seed. Like, it wasn't, like, unreasonable for them to get there. Um, obviously, they played a game that I think a lot of people thought they would lose against the College of Charleston. A tough game. Then they end up playing, getting lucky and playing Furman and beating them um, big time. Then the Alabama game, which is kind of their win and their signature moment of the tournament. Um, I honestly didn't get to watch that game, so hopefully it went well. It obviously did. Uh, and then who they beat in the Elite Eight? Creighton. Creighton. Another boring, like, weird one. Also a weird game that maybe they shouldn't have won. So they had some breaks. They had what you would call a, like, Team of Destiny run. Um, but there was, unfortunately, a team that was definitely – on a destiny run and a team that's gone on some destiny runs in our lifetime. So that kind of leads us into the second game. Um, Which Miami versus game. UConn. Wasn't much of a game. Um, no. UConn length, NBA players, depth, better coaching, better athletes. Don't better hate skill. on Larinaga. He's not, nah, I guess that's fair. Larry. Yeah. Larinaga has done it before he got there with George Mason. That's, that's an impressive thing, but. Yeah, I, I just th- – th- that UConn team was interesting. Um, if, I, if I remember correctly, they started the season undefeated and then went on to, like, lose a ton of games in January, early February, and then went on another, yeah. another run, kind of bring themselves back up into that high seed contention, and they just played the best basketball of, best of the tournament. I mean – Yeah. What a weird run, though. Like, preseason not ranked, like you said. Then to go on, like you said, the undefeated run. And then I think they – I want to say they lost like four out of five games or five out of six games or something ridiculous yeah, no, like it got, that. it got turbulent. And they were nowhere near the rankings. And then I believe they won something of like eight of their last nine, ended up being like in like the high teens, low 20s, something like that. Like, And then to go on this run where your closest game was 13 points in the final four. Um it's just absurd. And like you said, there's NBA talent. Like Jordan Hawkins will probably be a, a mid to late first round pick. That Sonogo guy is like a very good college big. They had other pieces around those two. Like, it, and Hurley is a good coach, I think. I think that's a program that – should we get into it then as far as like what I think the biggest takeaway is from the before final we do, before we do, Before we do the encompassing of the program, I want to talk about this specific team because I had this conversation with a buddy – and it was actually pretty interesting, is where would you rank this UConn run amongst other tournament runs that we've seen? Because if you look at if you look at purely score lines, it's right up there with 2018 Villanova. They murdered everyone. Yeah. But what factor do you give the fact that the rest of college basketball was trash and that right. they got to play they got to play punching bags for the in the later stages of the tournament? The the punching bags in the later stages of the tournament is big, and I think a lot of those like a Villanova like that, or these kind of dynamic, these, those runs like that, those teams were like the best all year. And that wasn't necessarily UConn all year. They were not the best team all year. So they, you factor they that in as well. Of it. I, I think that's a fact that has to be played in as a factor as well, as well as far as like maybe not the run because the run is the magical part that people remember, but as far as where the team goes down, like that, has, I think like, the fact that they weren't just this dominant, like top four team in the country the mm-hmm. entire season has to be factored in as well. Um, but you're right. I mean, 
I, I'm not. They played the Iona team that they blew out. Whatever, Brick Patino, St. John's. Uh, then they play a, a relatively easy St. Mary's five seed. I think most people would say. Uh, then they only had to play Arkansas, who had upset Kansas. So I mean, I hate to say it, but it's a comparable run to like the Michigan run to the finals, where you or like you didn't kind of play anybody. I think the punching backs is the greatest part of it, and then you played a Miami team. Yeah, the more I think about it, like I don't really find this team to be anywhere in like my top lists to be honest like it's a magical run and by the numbers they are one of the more dominant tournament teams ever but like i like i can think of some other team i can think of some other like the kemba walker like yukon team will stick in my head more um honestly like a north a run like north carolina last year will stick in my head more than this even, even though it was so dominant yeah i guess i'm not really even trying to limit it to the run i, I just i guess i just meant like where do you kind of view that team amongst other national champions? Yeah. Um, again, I, I'm always going to bring back Villanova 2018 because that is that's the most dominant thing I think we've seen in terms of like scoreboard. I'm sure the I, you can make the case that the probably the AD Wildcats in 2012 also were probably incredibly dominant. Yeah. Though maybe they didn't blow as many teams out. I, I don't know. It's just it was that that was I'd, something uh... I wanted. Another team I'd throw in there is the Baylor team from two years ago. They went 28-2 and two and were like – them and Gonzaga were 1-2 and two the entire season, and then they shit on Gonzaga in the championship game. True. Very true. So. But So, yeah, that was just the one thing I wanted to kind of isolate the team. Now I kind of want to talk more about the program, and this is kind of the, the – I think the big debate right now is, is UConn considered a blue blood? Um mm. I actually think we share the same opinion, so it might not be as much of a debate as it might just be kind of stating our reasons for why. But I, I think they are. Um, I, I'm assuming you do as well. I do. I do, but, like, I do see the argument that they're not because, like, I still don't, like, as far as, like, a mental image brand thing, I don't really put like see them like Duke, Kentucky – can like I think Duke, Kentucky, Kansas is for, and North Carolina. Those four in my head, just from like colors and logos and just like my the way my brain works, that's who I see as college basketball. I don't necessarily see UConn as that, even though I think the especially now the numbers are definitely there to be a, a blue blood. Yeah, I, I again, I I think that they qualify as blue blood status. I I do think the national titles really matters. So. I think that the the argument against UConn is the lows. They've missed. I'm I'm looking at it. Right. L- looking at something on my phone right now. They've missed ten tournaments in the last thirty years. Yeah. So I mean, if you don't even participate thirty three percent of the time, that's going to be tough to be remembered because you don't participate. Um, but again, when they do and when they get there, um, here's a fun stat: UConn's uh history in the Final Four. They are ten and one. <laughs> um, that includes national title games as well. Their only loss was in 2009 to Michigan State in Detroit. Um, but every other time they've made it, they've come down with a title. That to me is an that that to me also should count because it that's one that's one of those where getting there is one thing. Like anyone can get there. I mean, we've seen VCU get there. We've seen Loyola of Chicago get there. We we can see we see small teams get there, but when they get there, they win. And I think that right. has to count for something. I think that that probably to me personally eclipses the fact that they do have low times and they have had some tumultuous seasons where you just kind of forget they even exist. Um, I mean, they got more national titles in Kansas now. That's you can't ignore that. Yeah. And then I think I I was looking at it uh, last night. I just like quickly going through like past champions by the years. And like you said, the Kansas is big. And then you look at kind of the 2000s, which we have a mutual friend that wants to bring up the history argument and all of this. <laughs> like, like I think you could – we're to the point now where, like, the 21st century – like, 2000 is yes. history. Like, if you've won in the – like, somewhere before, like, 05 now, that's now considered legit long-term history. I, I'm really glad you actually bring that up because I had this exact thought today when I was kind of just preparing um, through some downtime at work. I was thinking to myself – it's not 2012 anymore. It's not right. 2015. I mean, we are almost a quarter of the way of 2000 done. 
like the two like the of this century done mm -hmm. like we have hit the point where that is history now you you look back at that stuff that's history now so i consider anything before 2010 to be history as far as sports take now i, I would you agree with that i can't disagree with that um, okay but so then looking looking at the 2000s the winners duke has two or duke has three sorry uh, Villanova has two. North Carolina has one, Should two, three. three. And you know the only other team with three? UConn. They got five. If we're talking post-2000. 2000? Well, I guess they got four. I think they won in 99, four. right? Yes, 99. They've won in 04. 11, 14, and 2023. So, yeah, you're right. They have the most of any team since 2000. Yeah, that's history. Most... That's a blue blood stat. That's, <laughs> that's the most successful team of our generation. That's that's a, that's a blue blood. Um, again, I, I do understand the argument again. Um, I think that's I, – I, I think this specifically goes for UCLA. I mean, UCLA won so much so long ago yeah. at this point, but – for UCLA, it's one of those where, oh, you know what, make a Final Four every so often, pop a kid into the into the into the league every so often, and because of what you did all those years ago, people will kind of just say they'll just kind of let it go. They'll be like, yeah, yeah, you know, go ahead. You know, you got eleven titles. That's you can't really just dis you can't disregard that. But I I do think that it's kind of like a reverse image of UCLA where they're just so dominant right now. I mean. Obviously, it's the way too early, and it never really happens. But I mean, you've got people looking at UConn as already they're already talking about it like a I'm not gonna say a lock, but like a very heavy favorite to repeat. They'll probably open the seat next season up as preseason number one. I mean, yeah. So you you mentioned the dominance thing. That's the weird part I have with like blue bloods in general, more than any other sport. Like someone also brought up the phrase dynasty, and like I don't think you can have. Like, it's kind of impossible to call even, like, Duke and North Carolina dynasties uh, in the term we use them in, like, professional sports because that's that's three out of four, three out of five, four out of six. Like, that's what a dynasty is. like. And the other, and the other thing to kind of go off with that is because of the way you crown a champion in basketball, Yeah, it's single elimination. It's, right. And we're talking about kids. Like, yeah. you can't you can't expect kids to go – to, to run through a completely different team. Because if we're talking six years, you've got three new squads, especially yeah. in basketball where it turns over so fast. I mean, you, you can't expect someone to ever do that. I will say we, we say that, and it is true because it more speaks to, like, uh, like how easy it is. I think it's more – it more speaks to how easy it is for good teams to get eliminated as opposed to bad teams to actually win. Because if you look at the teams that actually win, Kansas. Oh yeah. I mean, Baylor isn't exactly the biggest time program, but Virginia, Villanova, North Carolina, Duke, Yukon, Louisville, Kentucky, Yukon, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Florida, Florida, North Carolina, Yukon, Syracuse, Maryland, Duke, Michigan State. Like it's all like the same names, just yes. they just don't it's, happen as frequently. Yeah. I mean the, the cream always rises to the top. Um it's very hard. It's one of those where when you have to do something or when you have to get lucky, let's say you, if you're one of those weaker teams and you have to get lucky time and you have to get lucky six, right. six or seven times in a row, if you want to win a title, right. you're just not going to do that. You can, you can ride your luck. You can beat the 15 seed or you can beat, you can beat the two seed. You can beat the one seed these days. You can ride your luck, but you can't ride it forever because it's just, that it doesn't work that way. So it's a, it's a big brand. It, I want to say big brand, but it's a, it's a powerhouse sport. You're, you're. I don't think you're rarely gonna. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna see these smaller kind of FAUs. San Diego State maybe is the perfect example of that. Maybe you see it with Gonzaga as well. But you don't see those schools ever really winning and consistently winning. I don't think they play enough competition throughout the year to to battle test themselves. I don't think they have enough pedigree that's that's something that you can't really quantify but it exists that's why you always see those duke kentucky kansas is making deep runs and you're like well how did they get here they're an eight seat but right it's it's the well, at the same time the same time like kind of the point of like why so if they're really dynasties in these blue buds then why isn't like so 
I mean, uh, Villanova won two in three years, but like aside from that, like nobody really, there's four or five years between anybody's titles. I think yep. that part kind of speaks to the um, parity as far as roster turnover that the sport has created in the last 15 years with one and dones. Obviously the last two years we've had NIL in the portal now to where there will never be a true dynasty as far as winners. Yeah, but you, what you, you will see that. is like we've kind of mentioned is the cream of the crop rising to the top. Um, just it, This is just too much turnover to ever be able to do it consistently in college basketball. I agree. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really have much more to say about the college game. I mean, do we want to stick with basketball, head into the NBA? I know we're just kind of jumping topics. There's not really anything in depth because of just the amount of content, but there is a lot we need to cover. We want to go to NBA. Yeah, let's head to the NBA. Yeah. So NBA, we're looking at kind of the that last week of the regular season at this point. Um, playoff races are heating up, specifically in the West. Um, I'll kind of save that for the second one just because I think it is a lot more interesting, but – Eastern Conference, I mean, you got the top five seeds all kind of locked up, more or less. Um, you've got a couple of teams afterwards who are fighting for play-in berth, but in the Eastern Conference, I don't think it really matters because the teams that are fighting are Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, Chicago. I mean, any any one of those teams comes up against Giannis or Jason Tatum, and they're going to get swept. So I, I don't really have much to say about the East Coast as a whole. Um, I mean... Cleveland, the four seed right now, they'll probably end up as a four seed. Good for them. You know, they made the Donovan Mitchell trade um, to kind of pair up with that. Just kind of at this point, kind of growing core Mobley and uh, it's either Sexton or Garland. God, I can't forget. Sexton. Okay. They, they, so Garland got sent to Utah, right? I believe it, so. Okay. I, 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 I always mix those two up, but so – I mean, good for them. I, I messed them up, too. Sexton's on the Jazz. <laughs> All right, then. Yeah, I mean, they were the, to me, they're the same. A couple of guards in Cleveland vibe it around. I don't know. But, yeah, not much to say. This this probably ends up with Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals playing the winner of Boston or Philadelphia. That The Boston-Philadelphia yeah. semi-series will be fun. Um, mm. I don't really see too much interesting anymore. I mean – Brooklyn blowing their team up kind of killed that team. I mean, they were pretty much a, they were neck and neck with the Bucks as the one seed, blew it up at the deadline, and now they're kind of hovering at the sixth seed, just trying to stay out of the play-in. So, I mean, they're not going to do anything with a shutdown Ben Simmons and Michael Bridges. But no, the the Western Conference though, the Western Conference is amazing. That's kind of where the stars are at this point. That's where the that's where the, the the bigger teams are, the more interesting teams are, and in, in particular the race. So from the five seed to the ten seed, we'll just I guess we'll stick with that because I mean we'll we'll make it we'll might as well make it to the eleven seed just because the eleven seed right now is the Dallas Mavericks. That's where Luca and Kyrie are. Um between the five seed, which is the LA Clippers, and the eleven seed Dallas Mavericks, you have four games. Mm-hmm. So you, you're looking at you're looking at seven teams separated by four games going into the last three or four games of the regular season. That to me is insane. I mean, I don't really remember a race like this. And because there's the plan now, you kind of have different tiers of, oh, I made the playoffs or, oh, I'm fighting for my life right now. So I think it makes it really interesting. Um, and it's the teams as well that are there. Again, I'll throw Dallas, Luka, and Kyrie, stars in the league. I mean, the OKC Thunder are having a, pretty good year for a team that just sucked and got Chet Holmgren who didn't even play this season. So good for them to be there. The Minnesota Timberwolves, which I'm honestly kind of impressed that they're there considering Carl Anthony Towns missed a majority of this season. And to be completely fair, I don't think the way they've constructed their roster, I don't think they really have a chance to ever do anything because they're running around with Ruby Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns and playing two bigs in 2023 is not going to win (laughs) meaningful basketball games. But shout out Anthony Edwards. That's a I think that's a guy yeah. who can kind of hit the fringe top fifteen players in the NBA at one point in his career. So good for him. I mean, after that you get to the Pelicans. Um, is Zion Williamson ever gonna play again? I don't know. 
Here's a question. When do you start considering him as awesome as he has been when he, he's played? When do you start considering him a bust? It's been four years now. Yeah, I mean, he's only – I'm looking at it right now. He's only played 29 games this season. That's – I don't know what his – I'm pretty sure he's hurt right now. I don't know what his timeline is for coming back. I mean – it's tough. But like when he plays, look at it. Like twenty. Oh yeah, yeah. Twenty six points a game, five assists. So. And no, and he's like he's kind of that. Like I'm, I, I, I'm gonna get hate for saying this, but he kind of reminds me of that. Like what we see in videos of like that, like prime Shaq, where just he jumps in the air and you cannot stop him because he's that big. Mm-hmm. You're right. Like when he plays, he is that physical specimen. But it's just at some point you have to say, Hey man, you are what you are. And that's a, that's a human being who can't stay on the court. And that's a bust. It's a human bandaid. Yeah. I don't even call it a bandaid. It's just a human knee injury. He's going to have Ben Carter knees pretty soon. I don't know. Um, yeah. No, I, I would say Zion Williamson is probably one more year of playing less than 50 games away from just saying, Hey man, like, what what's funny is I'm pretty sure they already extended his contract. He already got the supermax, so like yeah, he's gonna like he's gonna love yeah. that Louis. He's gonna love that Louisiana lifestyle. Two hundred million to not play. He's a big dude. He looks like he likes to eat. You can find yeah. a way into oh, yeah. southern loving. Yep. But after that, this see this is where it gets really interesting. After that, you have the Los Angeles Lakers, who are at seven seed, who are half a game behind Golden State and the Clippers for the five seed. Um, that's a team that two months ago was probably, I think, five or six games below 500. They're now two games above it. They've completely turned their season around, got rid of Russell Westbrook, brought in D'Angelo Russell. Um, they got a couple of they got a couple guys that are off the bench. There's kind of I don't even say off the bench. They got a couple guys, Austin Reeves, making plays. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh Anthony Davis is another one of those guys where it's like when he plays, thumbs up. He's a phenomenal player. He's had he had, he's having one of the better seasons of his career right now, in my opinion. But he is also Anthony Day to Davis. You do have to factor that in. Anthony Davis. <laughs> but I, I'm glad that it, le- it leaks. It looks like the Lakers will be in the playoffs because the NBA is much better when LeBron is playing in the postseason. Um, yeah. Adam or Lovin, it's a fact. He bring he brings in attention. He brings in numbers. Team above him, the Golden State Warriors. I mean, Andrew Wiggins has been gone for the last twenty five games, dealing with a family matters. He should. I think they said he's coming back at some point this week and he'll be ready for the playoffs, which is huge for them because he is kind of, in my opinion, taken over that like Clay Thompson role on defense, where five years ago you would have Clay guard the other team's best offensive player if he was a guard because you didn't want them pick, picking on Steph. I feel like that's kind of – Wiggins has kind of taken over that mantle after Clay's kind of gone through the injuries. Um, he's a great two-way player. I mean, all-star last year, had a, had a great um, beginning of the season before stepping away. They're another one of those teams that's incredibly, incredibly dangerous as soon as they get into the playoffs because the season wipes itself and it turns into yeah. you have to beat Steph Curry four times in two right. weeks. And whether you have home court or not, that's very tough to do. Um, team above them, the Clippers. Uh, I mean, Clippers, I mean, if you look at their roster, kind of another one of those teams where do you really want to see? I mean, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard – I mean, I, I feel like the luster of Kawhi Leonard's kind of fallen off yeah, a little bit. So he's not, the, he's not that Terminator guy he was in 2019. It's kind of like Brooks Kepka, you know, spend a lot of time injured and people kind of forget about you. But yeah. And then the kind of the last team, the four seed that I even really want to mention, I guess there's two more teams I want to mention. The four seed, the Suns. The only reason I bring them up is because I really, really, really want to see Golden State Phoenix in the first round. Kevin Durant against his former team. I think that would be a phenomenal. That'd probably be the best first round matchup I've ever ever watched or can ever remember watching. Is is Durant back? Like remember he was yes. supposed to come back and then he Yeah, yeah. Out. He should be back now. Slipped on slipped on a puddle of water on the during the warm up. <laughs> yeah, six games played, twenty seven points a game. Okay. Yeah. Anybody then, else you want to mention? The only last thing I wanted to say is the Sacramento Kings, which are the three seed. Uh, good for them, kind of yeah, playing some hard basketball. But I also think that 
the Sa- this Sacramento team is kind of that Atlanta Hawks of the mid 2000s team where, you know, you try really hard in the season. And I think everybody wants to be the sixth seed to play them because you probably think, oh, well, we have more star power than you. As soon as we turn it on and start trying, we're going to mollywop you. So I have a question. Yes. And it has nothing really to do with any of their, their play. Uh, do you think the sack, where do you think Sacramento Kings as a franchise ranks as most forgettable in? the big four major sports. <laughs> I'd say it's got to be top. I mean, there's some hockey ones where if you're not a hockey guy, you could be like, what the hell are we talking about here? But as far as take out hockey, maybe, I think they could be up there for number one. I don't hate that at all. Um, I'm trying to think of another basketball one, and then I'll probably switch to baseball because I think those are your two kind of bigger ones where. Yeah, I don't think there's a football one. Yeah, yeah, football is just way too way too popular for someone to say, oh, I forgot that they exist. Maybe the L.A. Chargers because people probably still call them the San Diego Chargers, but you play. Yeah, I, I'd pass. say the only other comparable one in basketball for me is maybe the Orlando Magic. I could get behind the magic. Um, not really a glamour city. Not like Miami. Aren't really good. Haven't been good since 2010. Um, I can get behind that. I'm trying to think of a baseball one. Um, immediately what comes to mind is the Baltimore Orioles. Really? I, I, yeah, I, I could see that one. I could see I, that one. Yeah, I mean, I thought about the Pirates just because they're a Mickey Mouse oh, operation. and they like. There. And, like, they don't really, like, pay for anybody. I'm, I'm pretty sure Miguel Cabrera makes more than their entire roster at this point. But um, I, I just can't do it because I think Pittsburgh is a city is a little bit bigger and a little bit more well-known than Baltimore. But I don't know. Baltimore's up there. I would say the uh, – I don't know. I don't see any other baseball ones personally. The Washington Nationals, I know that's kind of a big market, but I feel like as a franchise, that's a very forgettable franchise. Didn't they just win the title? Uh, like three, four years ago. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure they did. Three when years did Bryce ago? Harper leave? Pre-COVID. He left that long ago? Yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, we're Bryce, so old. Uh, Let's see. The Phillies, we could talk about them. Historically bad start. Um, oh, Bryce Harper's hurt. I'm not going to be able to pull him up. Shit. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess Baltimore or maybe the, I think the Kings would have to be number one. Sacramento is probably the seventh most popular city in the state of California. No yeah. other sports teams. Pretty sure is Sacramento's not even on the water, right? Isn't it? Is it in, in no, the in the state? Yeah, it's yeah. So like room. that, there's nothing there. So I, I will support your statement. I think Sacramento is probably the most irrelevant franchise in the Big Four. Uh, Bryce, two things. Bryce Harper left in, after the 2018 season. He's in year four with the Phillies. God, um, we're so old. And another one, I hate to say this because of the, like, however many people listen to this, one of them comes from there. The Charlotte Hornets are pretty high up there. For oh. If there was no Michael Jordan, you would never have heard of the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> the, the Charlotte Hornets, are, that's a good one. But let's, um, we want to move on to the Masters. I feel like we've kind of yeah. covered the, the playoff aspect. We'll get into the hockey playoffs, I think, next week when there's a clearer picture of couple yep. games left in the regular season and we'll kind of be able to pinpoint the NBA playoffs. So let's get into the Masters, the first major of the year. Ooh. Take it over. Special, special time of year. Let me tell you, just when we are able to get on the courses, you get to watch the best go at it. I think this year is going to be even more fun than normal. The betting favorites are Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy at plus 650 apiece. Uh, John Rahm's uh, third at plus 900. Uh, it's been another great year for Scotty, John Rahm, stronger, strong, God, I can't, I had a stroke, strong early, has kind of struggled the last month. Um, Rory's been solid all year, but hasn't really gotten the big win. Um, other than that, it's anybody's game. I think those are probably by far the three best players this year. Um, the biggest storyline is obviously, there's two, I think, and the 
I guess they kind of coincide. Not really. One is Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is coming back again for the second year after what was really an honorable showing and making the cut and then literally falling apart on Saturday Saturday and Sunday. Um, I look for him to make the cut again. I think he's too competitive. I think his body's in a better shape this year to where he will. I just don't think he has he has one round in a major that he can look that he can throw on a minus four and look like he's a legit threat to win. He does not have the body just physically doesn't have four days in a row, I think. And you'll likely see him fade out towards the weekend, unfortunately, as cool as it would be if he didn't. And then probably the bigger story, and I think we can go back and forth on this a little bit. Can I say can I say one thing about Tiger before we get get to the bigger one? I, I completely agree with that. I think physically it'll be incredibly, incredibly tough for him to ever compete at the highest level with the guys because it is the four days, kind of the marathon. But I do think if there's a golf course that he can do with that, it's Augusta with the familiarity. I mean, you look at the I'm, – I'm not saying – I'm just saying every other major, they rotate. So he shows up to a course that he probably hasn't played in two, three years, whereas he shows up to Augusta – I think it again. I think the familiarity helps him. He pro- he probably knows that course better than anyone. I I think that again. I'm not saying it does anything. I'm not saying he's going to be on the leaderboard on Sunday and everyone's going to be tuned in except for me because I'll be on an airplane. But sure. I do think that it does give him that added kind of help that he knows what he's doing. Yeah. With that said, though, Augusta is kind of notoriously one of the worst walks. Um, so That's it's true. not. It's very hilly. Uh, and it was kind of at issue last year on how he would do what the body would do. And I do think that's Augusta itself is a factor for the, for the body as far as the walk. That's goes. fair. That's fair. As opposed to just maybe the way he plays his game. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry to interrupt. Let's get to the bigger. Get yeah. The, the bigger, bigger issue is the live players and the PGA tour players co-mingling kind of the, I know live was a thing last year, but now that it's official and the live guys are the live guys. And the tour guys are the tour guys. This is the first event this year where we'll get to see that relationship. I know Rory kind of had some quotes that he's like, it's weird. He said basically he's like, it's weird, but like I I still talk to some of the live guys. And I'm this is like Captain PGA Rory speaking too. It's like I am not on speaking terms with some of them, and I am on still friendly terms with some of them. So it's just odd, kind of you don't parse out necessarily live versus tour. He's like, I'm on like a name by name if I they're on my shit list or not. Like yep. he mentioned that he still he still actually talks with Brooks Kepka and DJ often, um, but obviously has not said a word and it's very strong remorse for Phil. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I don't know. I think it's fun. I don't. I think it'll be a fun storyline all weekend. I actually don't think it'll play that much of a role in the Masters. It is golf at the end of the day. I don't yeah, know. Maybe you think it will. Um, no, uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's an individual sport. There is no banners. Right. There is no leagues. There is no all-star games. It's, it's Brooks Kepka against the field. It's Rory McIlroy against the field. It's not PGA versus live. So maybe one day if they ever come together, they can make it into something like that. And I think that'd be kind of really cool to watch if they turned into some Ryder cup themed thing. I don't know. Let them first make up and figure that out but yeah it's, it's an individual sport um they're playing for themselves they're not playing for what tour they're on so do i think it would be cool though with that said for a live guy to win it i do think it would be um and not from any perspective other than i'd like to see what the media's reaction is because yeah. the media is usually the people who like stirring things up for clicks i'm sure they create some narratives they insert a fake quote or two but no i, I think it'd be interesting um It'll be cool to kind of see some of those live guys that you haven't seen in a while. Um, DJ Cameron Smith, probably the most notable and probably best golf player on the live tour right now. I mean, Brooks and Bryson, they're always interesting, but they kind of, in my opinion, not not, not to say feed, but they kind of run like they need the media attention to kind of be what to, to be who they are. So with the fact that they've kind of left the tour, I think they get less of that and they're kind of not really the same people anymore, but It'll be interesting. It'll be see. Maybe uh, Bryson can finally get his revenge on the par sixty-seven, as he calls it. Um, but I like that's a name. Like I haven't heard much about the live events in general, um, but that's a name I haven't even heard of at all. 
like in between all of that? Like, how's he done in live events? How much has he played? Like, no idea. You know, I threw Brooks Kepka into my pool because I think people think he's done, done, and he very well could be. He still does have that dog in him a little bit deep down, I think. Um, that it is like this is his favorite time of year. Um, and he won last weekend in the live event. So I, I kind of just, I love the theory. It's like my, my March madness bracket. If you're playing well, I'm going to pick you like running, running. I love hot teams. I love hot golfers. Wow. That, that didn't, that didn't turn. That's not what I meant. Oh. <laughs> so I'm going to move on from that after that. Should we, should, we give our, should we give our picks? Yep. That's exactly what I was going for. Who do you got? I just said I want a live golfer to win. Um, I don't know enough about live golfers in the state of their games anymore because you don't see them, so I can't right. pick one. Um, if I were to have to pick one, I would go with probably DJ. Um, maybe take a slight curveball from the expected Cameron Smith. But if we're talking Masters winner, I think it's going to be John Rahm. I think he's going to shake off the, the the last month of rust. He'll he's not won a Masters before, right? No, he's only won the U.S. Open twice, I believe. Okay, yeah. Um, I guess I slightly can confuse Sergio Garcia, but that's definitely not Sergio Garcia. So, um, it'll be good. I, I, my pick will be John Rahm. I, I, I think he's kind of the – I think he's the guy who's going to get back to form and people will be chasing him, and I think he kind of fights off a Sunday charge from somebody. Correction, he's only won the one U.S. Open. Okay. Um, I think that's the factor is he hasn't necessarily played amazing in a ton of majors besides his U S open. That was 2021. So you're looking at nearly two years since he's won a major while he's probably been the most talented player on tour in those two years. I mean, Scotty Scheffler over the last uh, 14 months has done some unbelievable things. Rory is one of the greatest of all time. Um, obviously JT Jordan Spieth have always kind of been in that conversation as yeah. well. Um, but I think as far as the talent goes, it's John Rahm and it's that mode he goes into as far as the anger and the grit and on a Saturday or a Sunday is the closest thing I think we've seen to like a tiger aura, um, not going to compare it to it, but it is the kind of the closest thing we've seen in that when he's on and he's in that, that danger mode, it is, it is unbeatable and no one can do it at mm -hmm. this point in time and i think if he can do that then he's going to win a golf tournament it's just whether he can do that he hasn't played great in other masters um he's my pick as well unfortunately we're going with the same one um i just don't i don't i think it's so hard to repeat so i don't see scotty doing it um rory i just love the storyline i'm not i'm not, I like Rory, but I don't love him as much as a lot of people don't kind of adore him. I think the storyline of him not being able to win a major as his only to complete the Grand Slam is hilarious and fun. And I kind of hope it always stays that way. So it kind of kind of makes you go like like before you can say like, oh, Rory's is all time great. He's got to do this one thing before I can say that. Um, and that's when a master's. So I would like to keep that going for as long as possible. As far as other people, I don't know. Jordan Spieth ha hasn't played that great this year. Neither has Justin Thomas. Um, with that being said, I just named the biggest names. There's also guys like Max Homa who has played great this year, but has not been good in majors. Sam Burns has played great of late, um, has not played good in majors. So you never know. It's the masters. Anybody can win. Yep. Um, but there's always Tiger Woods. The one thing I want to say about Rom, and you mentioned his anger and how he can channel that to turn into that God mode that no one can follow. I think that same anger when he doesn't channel it properly takes him out of golf tournaments. Yeah. I think I, I, I think he sits there on the green and or with his approach shot and he's he's just pissed and he's trying to channel it but he can't and he just starts mental lapses and I think that costs him a lot in there. He, he does. He he is a guy that's kind of prone to implosions. So yeah, I I agree. So so as a so would you recommend him? Like I know golf is this like don't show emotion game. Would you rather him 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 continue to be himself and that that's the that's what that's what got him to be like the number two player in the world right now. Yeah. Um, I think you have to. Stay or yourself. would you say, hey, channel your emotions because like you got to keep it in. Because I think there's an argument to both sides. 
No, I think you you stay with what got you where you are. Um, okay. It's just, you, you, I don't know if you want to mess around with that Masters week. Maybe you, maybe you, right. during maybe during the off season when you're playing practice rounds at your local club, you can start thinking to yourself, well, what what can or your your or your manager can say, hey man, like let's go see a shrink and he can tell you something. But you know, you don't mess around on a Tuesday night at the Masters and say, I'm no. going to try something different today. You go in with what you what you prepared with, and that's it. If you're if you're on the range, let's say Thursday night at 9 p.m. after your round, and you're trying to change your game, good luck. <laughs> yeah. God, it's got to be such a. I don't know if I could ever be mentally tough enough to be like a professional golfer. Just... No, I actually think um, pro athletes as a whole, I think they're all psychopaths. And, like, I don't mean that in, like, the, hey, I'm going to kill you psychopath. I just mean, like, their mental approach to things I don't understand. And I don't think I'll ever understand. And that's probably why I'm sitting here talking to you on Zoom and they're playing in things like the Masters. Because they right. just, they're they're so mentally different and so wired differently that they can't accept even remotely close to, like, above average. Everything has to be perfection to them. So it, it's, it's right. incredible. Um, someone, they, they, those people should like agree to like donate their brains when they die to like, research and we can just see what, what was really going on. And there's levels inside of that level of a professional athlete too, where I think like a lot of the best are even more psychotic than say the Kobe Bryant. The what? Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. You cannot Jordan. tell me that dude was mentally sane. You cannot. Right. Like Jordan, like all, like. Even like a LeBron, like the million dollars into his body is definitely like a freak compared to what the average, even the average professional athlete is. Yep. And I think that that it's that's a testament to like how they got there in such a small. There's such a small demand as as monetarily huge as far as the demand sports is. Like, there's only what five guys on the court on 30 NBA teams. I'm not a math guy, but that's not even 200 players. Yeah. So right. So. You've got to be more than 200 amazing basketball players in the world that, like, they have to be the psychopath yeah. just to get get through there. So, yeah. I, I don't have anything else. I know we spent uh, a bunch – we spent some time covering a bunch of different topics this week as opposed to previous weeks where we spent most of the time covering one topic. Uh, I think this might become kind of the formula going forward just because we are kind of running out of those – big things to do. I, I guess maybe during the NFL draft, we'll be able to kind of lock in on a mock draft or Lions needs or this or that. But I think going forward, we might be hitting that uh, kind of grab bag of sports around, around the world. Yeah, uh, definitely. Definitely. It, it kind of comes with the topics. Um, I know we said like once March Madness is over, like, what are we going to talk about? But like, we're going to have draft stuff this whole month and we'll playoffs, have playoff basketball, playoff hockey running into the summer and then kind of the summer is when we'll have to figure our stuff out. But uh, anyways, we got lots to talk about till then. We're excited. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, please like subscribe, do whatever you can. I don't know what you can do on Spotify, but if you made it this far, we really do appreciate it. And I'll leave Vladdy with the closing remarks. To those who made it this far. Thank you very much. Wish you guys the most, the, the happiest of Wednesdays. That's probably when you'll be, you'll be, you'll be listening to this, but Wish you the best. As always, go green. Go away.